Hi, welcome to Not All Lawyers Have Law Degrees and lots of other things that we found out about becoming a lawyer and the people that do. Hi, I'm Georgie. I'm here with Elle and finally we're going to be talking about apprenticeships. We both joined the BBC at the age of 18 as legal apprentices in 2016. I'm now in my fifth year of my apprenticeship. Elle did two years, then got a job as a business affairs assistant and then got a promotion to be a business affairs executive. But to find out a bit more about apprentices, we spoke to Maya Croxford, a fourth year solicitor apprentice with law firm DAC Beechcroft LLP in Bristol, and Tegan Williams, a second year solicitor apprentice working in-house at Seven Trent Water. Warning, this episode contains a bit of a graphic description of Tegan's work related to some sewage. Tegan, can you take me back to post-A-levels? What attracted you to applying for an apprenticeship? Right, so I did some legal work experience in, you know, your year nine work experience with a barrister. So um, it was just a week of shadowing him, really, and I really enjoyed it. So it was kind of at that point I knew I wanted to go into law, but I wasn't sure exactly which route that I was going to go. So I went to sixth form, I did my A-levels, and then afterwards I knew that I kind of had two main avenues. I could either go to university or I could do the apprenticeship. So I applied to university as a backup, but the apprenticeship was always my first choice, mainly, you know, because of all of the benefits of it of being able to earn while you learn, knowing that I've got no student debt. And I also didn't have the worry of trying to apply for a training contract, which seemed to be the main thing that people stress about when going down the traditional route. Yeah, I think that's an absolutely cracking answer. Um, Maya, what about an apprenticeship appeal to you? It's actually quite funnily similar. So I also did work experience, I think, back um, in my first year of college, And I always kind of since then knew I wanted to do law, but I wasn't aware of the different routes that you could take. However, I received an email from my tutor, actually, and he sent round um, an apprenticeship vacancy. And that was my first kind of insight into legal apprenticeships. And it was just kind of a no brainer, really, the fact that I could, you know, qualify without any of the student debt, earning a salary. And, you know, I enjoyed the work experience so much that it kind of confirmed to me that I wanted to go straight into the workplace and kind of prove myself. So I also applied to university, but that was a backup. The apprenticeship was always my you know, first choice. So um, I did apply to university. I turned the offer down and um, chose to pursue the apprenticeship route. I think that's absolutely fascinating that both of you applied to uni and turned it down. Like, I think in people's minds still, there's, when people hear the word apprenticeships, it's changing, I think, slowly. But definitely when I first started, there was um, very much still a a, a kind of a thought of like more vocational professions in people's heads, which is, you know, really valuable, really brilliant that those schemes exist. But there's lots of other options as well. You know, you can become an accountant on an apprenticeship. You can become a lawyer on an apprenticeship. There's something really interesting about changing that narrative that you two literally were offered a university education that you had to pay for yourself and were like, mm, there's a better route for this. Did you apply for uni, Georgie, out of interest? Well, no, I was about to say I did not because I applied for my apprenticeship essentially because I found A-levels exhausting and I found doing my A-levels just... Uh, I felt really, really overwhelmed. And I was like thinking about doing my putting together my UCAS application and I found the thought of doing my UCAS application just horrifying. 
And I thought, if I can't do a UCAS application, how on earth am I going to get through a university degree? And I think I was just like struggling a bit with confidence at the time. And yeah, it's on the mindset sometimes, it is, yeah. Isn't and it? I think, I honestly think A-levels are brutal. I think A-levels are absolutely brutal. I have never, ever been as stressed in work as I was doing my A-levels. And like, I do a degree part-time one day a week and work for the rest of the time and love my job. But like, I have never been as stressed as when I was doing those A-levels. And so I just couldn't quite face applying for uni and like Maya there was a careers fair that happened at my college and there was a lad from Marks and Spencer's who was doing an apprenticeship and he was telling me that he earned £19,000 a year or something like that and I like the idea of making that much money blew my mind and <laughs> so I was like right I'll do an apprenticeship I'll earn some money I'll be able to live independently I just I just wanted to be like a person in my own right. Yeah I was the same Georgie I went to an apprenticeship fair BBC were actually there but again like Mayor and Tegan I also applied for uni and turned down the offer um, even though I... I didn't know that about you, Elle. Yeah, I, but I didn't actually go uh, apply for law. I applied for business instead. So it was just kind of having options. Open. That's really interesting. Tegan, I'm interested about, because you work in-house, don't you? Yes, yeah, at Seven Trent Water. Yeah, I was just interested in kind of what attracted you to kind of working in-house as opposed to working in a firm. I mean, I didn't really have a preference at the time, but I think now sitting in-house looking out at private practice I think it was definitely the right decision I think that the work is really really interesting and definitely as an apprentice when you come in and you're only 18 you haven't got the worry of things like billing and recording your time and, and and that sort of thing so all the work we do is really really interesting what do you do all day what is the sort of stuff that you kind of get involved in yeah so like every other in-house law team we have different seats so you know customer property commercial contracts that sort of thing but at the moment I work in the environmental prosecutions team so it's extremely interesting because there are three main types of environmental prosecution that I kind of work with. You have FOG, so that is food service establishments, you know, fast food chains, restaurants, people like that, that tip uh, fat sores and greases down the drain. And then over time, it blocks the sewers and then it will back up and eventually come back up through people's toilets. So, you know, you can be sat at home and all the sewage then will come up through your toilet due to someone else's blockage so you can imagine That's horrifying it is absolutely That's disgusting horrifying yeah i hope you don't have to look at photos yeah unfortunately we do <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is really really interesting because then we have a program and a contractor where we try and work alongside these food service establishments to explain the damage that they're doing um and failure to kind of engage with us and make any difference can then lead to prosecution so I've worked yeah, quite closely so on, on things like that yeah and the same with um trade effluent prosecution so that's when people tip um trade effluent down the drain so trade effluent is any other sort of discharge that comes with your trade so the main one seems to be metal so if you pour in metal you know down the drain and it's going out into the sewer, that can have a, a really adverse effect on the effluent that then goes back out into the environment and it can result in fish kill and that sort of thing. So again, it's working alongside these businesses to make sure that the stuff that goes down the drain is within a consent so we can make sure that it's cleaned and goes back out into the environment safely. So it's been really, really interesting. It's not the sort of work that you 
kind of expect to do at, at 18 but it's been absolutely brilliant that's so interesting um i literally had no idea that that was an area of law that existed and it's such a good example of like law can and very often is so practical you know like it's literally about protecting the environment and making sure that the world that we live in is still like habitable and safe that's that's so interesting maya would you kind of give me a bit of an insight into what sort of stuff makes up your day today? Yeah, sure. So I suppose by way of background, I'm in a private practice international firm. I have been for about four years now. Um, and for about three of those years and, and where I am currently is in the civil litigation and commercial dispute resolution team. That was a team I actually had work experience in. And, you know, it's, it's the area of law that I really thoroughly enjoy because we deal with litigation as a whole like kind of as an umbrella subject, we then kind of deal with everything that falls underneath that. So it can be healthcare and regulatory, it can be construction, it could be insurance disputes, it could be finance and pensions. So there's so many different kind of subtopics that fall underneath litigation, which is something that really keeps my role very varied and something that I love so much about the job. So of course, you know, the process of litigation, perhaps an individual suing a company or a company suing another company. And I suppose a typical day for me there isn't really a typical day it can be anything from disclosure going you know going through bundles of documents creating bundles for court it could be speaking to witnesses creating witness statements attending court I've attended attended court quite often which is something I really enjoy about my job yeah there's so much that goes into it and I really really enjoy the nature of litigious work but currently at the moment I am on secondment which is a really great opportunity that the apprenticeship has brought me so I'm at um, a wealth management firm in in their in-house legal team so that is super interesting so dealing you know the finance and pension side of things Um, and I'm learning so much about kind of being in-house it's experience that I haven't had before so that that's really valuable and I'm really enjoying that I've got about a month left and then I'm back to litigation. What would you pick out as kind of the key differences between being in-house and being in a firm? I think something that, you know, is quite obvious when I think about it now, but wasn't before I'd experienced it, was that in a law firm, lawyers are kind of the main star of the show. Yes, yes, this is so true. They are the main character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And obviously then you go in-house, you're more of a supporting role within the business, which is quite a change in dynamic. 100%. And I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really expecting that. But I suppose the one absolutely brilliant thing, as you can imagine, about being in-house is that the lack of time recording. <laughs> yeah delicious and billing yes yeah we can appreciate that can't we georgie we did six months secondment into a law firm it was it it was tricky yeah (laughs) the time recording yeah i think one of the benefits actually about going private practice straight away is that i already have that under my belt yeah and it is you know exactly as you can said it's difficult when you're 18 years old going into a private practice firm and you're being told to time record you know every email every phone call even if it's internal has to be time recorded but I picked that up straight away. And so now it's just second nature for me and kind of not having to do it is alien. But I will say that, you know, although I was expected to do that from a really early age, it was never kind of monitored as it would be for a normal fee earner. They, you know, they, they, they understand, you know, what they're taking on when they hire an apprentice. And they know that I had no previous work experience or private practice experience. So they were quite... I wouldn't say lenient, but they were really kind of supportive and they wouldn't put pressure on me. And, you know, they understand that it takes time to learn the ropes of of, of being a lawyer and being, a, you know, specifically in private practice. So um, I slowly got, you know, obviously over the past four years got the hang of it. And like I said, it's kind of alien to me now to not be time recording. And there's a couple of times I've sent off an email and gone to open the time recording up and been like, oh, I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit about how you find balancing studying alongside working? You know, being in private practice and being in litigation, it's quite a demanding team. So 
you know, the, hour, the hours can be quite long. Although, as I said, you know, being an apprentice, the team are, are really great with me. They don't kind of expect me to stay, you know, stupidly late. It's just usually the case that there is so much work on that it, it basically has to be done. But I've really enjoyed my job. And I think that's kind of something that it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It aids in the fact that, you know, it's, it is, that you know, there's no getting around it. It's hard to balance work alongside full-time study especially when you enjoy your job and you kind of want to work those long hours, you have yeah. to kind of draw the line and, and yeah. remember that you do have a degree to obtain. You know, going into the apprenticeship, I knew what I was getting myself into. I think it was just a case of slowly over time, you start to grasp or kind of attain the skills that you need to possess in order to have a healthy balance between work and study. And then also, mm-hmm. you know, chucking your personal life into the mix as well. But I think with the right organisational skills and time management skills, it's absolutely possible. Don't get me wrong, it can be really difficult at times, specifically when it's exam season. And so the way that my programme is structured at the moment with BPP is that we have an exam every three months. So Mm -hmm. we'll pick up a new topic, new module, be examined on that after three months of of learning and then straight on to the next one. There's maybe a week break. So it's really quite intense. Um, It it can absolutely be done. It's just there's no getting around it. It is difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tegan, how do you find it? In the beginning, it was really challenging because I guess you come from sixth form where your sole focus is your, your A-levels and that's all that you really worry about. Whereas now you've got loads of different things to think about. So you've got a social life, you've got work, you've got your university, you've got all the extracurricular stuff that you can do at university. So it was hard to balance things at first, but it just comes with practice and I think whatever stage you are in life you have got to to balance things you know whether you're balancing work and kids or you're balancing work and study or or whatever it is there's always going to come a time where you've got to learn to balance things so I picked it up quite quickly and don't get me wrong I still have times where I've procrastinated all day on my study day and it gets to about seven o'clock I'm thinking oh I probably should have started that essay and you know you're up at two three a.m and you know you've got work the next morning (laughs) we've Um, all been there exactly everyone's been there and I'm sure I'll be there many times again in the future Um, but it's it's all just part of it I've got friends that have had to do their dissertation at silly o'clock in the morning so it's it's all part of the fun when you guys went from a levels to apprenticeship did you struggle with the hours at first because you suddenly go from your a levels where you've got breaks in the day um you know you're only doing till three o'clock and then you kind of got your evening to yourself and then suddenly you're thrown into this nine to five plus you're studying you're like whoa where's my time you know I've got no day left to myself I I actually really struggled with that at first it took about I don't know four or five months to adjust yeah I absolutely found a really similar experience I think going from being in college everything being quite cushy you know people walking your hand through the UCAS application things like that um, to then going into a full-time job, essentially, it's always going to be hard, your first full-time job. And especially, as you say, Elle, um, having the study as well alongside it and kind of doing the nine to five or whatever hours you're working, then coming home and then having to kind of put your study hat on and then getting the zone to study. I found it really difficult. Yeah. So I for the first kind of five months, I was just absolutely exhausted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't enjoy sixth form. And I did have a part-time job alongside doing my A-levels. So I guess starting a full-time job was a really nice break because I actually enjoyed it. And I guess if I had added up 
the part-time hours alongside the hours that I did at sixth form and throwing in the weekends and stuff that I had to do at my part-time job it probably worked out to be around a nine-to-five anyway so it was great because I kind of had bank holidays and I had weekends which is something that I hadn't had since I started a part-time job at about 14 so that was really nice to have my weekends back but it it was hard to to get the balance right between you know work and study and still making sure I had a social life and that I could see my friends and family. That's so interesting, Tegan. That's such a good point. Because like, I think lots of people do have lot like, you know, lots of part time stuff on during college. So if you're listening to this, and you're doing your A levels, and you've got a part time job as well, you're probably already fairly well equipped for the skills to deal with an apprenticeship. Like, they're, they're very similar. It's just that you end up in a more structured programme. I think one of the really good things about an apprenticeship is that you do pick up the softer skills side of things at work. Um, Tegan, would you mind kind of talking about that a little bit? I mean, it might seem hard to believe, but when I first started my apprenticeship at kind of 18, I didn't know the difference between yours sincerely and yours faithfully and kind regards. I wouldn't have known really how to lay out writing a letter I wasn't sure, you know, when you get to a meeting, do I shake people's hands? Do I just sit down? Where do I sit? And all those. Do you ask to go for exactly. lunch? Exactly. Yeah. Or can I go yeah. to the toilet yeah. and stuff oh, like that? Because you don't know. Yeah, I did that. I did that. I used to ask my supervisor if I could go to the loo and she was like, Georgia, you do not need to ask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you don't realise. And I think even just on the first day, well, what do I wear? You just pick up all these things along the way and I'd rather make those mistakes at 18 you know make the mistake of saying to my manager oh please can I go to the toilet rather than making that mistake you know at 24 25 once I've finished my my LPC because I feel that people would look at you like oh you don't know how to write an email or oh you don't know how to start a letter so I think having the advantage of being an apprentice and being able to ask questions and being able to get things wrong has been really really great because if there's certain terminology I don't understand or there's a certain topic that I'm not sure about I don't ever feel like I couldn't ask and I don't know whether that's just because I'm in a really supportive team or whether that's kind of universal across all apprenticeships but people really do take their time out of their day to explain things to me or to offer that extra support of stuff that I don't understand and I think that that is something that I probably wouldn't have at a trainee level and I definitely wouldn't have after I'd finished you know my training contract so that's been really really positive absolutely I couldn't agree with Tegan more in, in terms of soft skills as well I think that's something that I didn't quite expect to develop throughout the apprenticeship and it's something that you know thinking about it now it's quite obvious that that you will going into a law firm at quite an early age um, but it's something that's been so prominent in my development is not only have I developed professionally I've also developed personally so yeah, embarking on the apprenticeship has just done wonders for my confidence and I'm able to hold relationships now and adapt my communication and so many things that you wouldn't think that you would develop. You actually, you know, you do via, it, it all comes naturally, essentially going through the workplace and going through the apprenticeship. It does just come uh, naturally stage by stage as you kind of take on more responsibility. And, you know, absolutely agree with Tegan. Things like how to write an email, how to answer the phone, how to converse with clients, things that you wouldn't typically get taught are things that you really learn and pick up on the apprenticeship that um, are just absolutely invaluable and you'll carry with you for the rest of your life. So to have them under our belts at such an early age. And as Tegan said, having the label of an apprentice, 
in some ways means that you're able to make those mistakes and that you're able to ask those questions and it's not expected of you that, you that you'll know this. I completely agree. I think for the first six months, I was actually scared of answering the phone. Yeah. But now, you know, it's not a single problem. It's just something that you build on. It's that confidence that you, you, you gain as you have more experience. And it's little things like that, you know, that you think scare you and you think you look back and you're like, you know, why on earth did that worry me now? But Absolutely. It's very much like what you were saying, Maya, about the ways in which that like people are really accommodating and do really recognise that you're kind of having a different experience and that they need to support you with that. I think it's also just cutting through in like people's mind, like oh, quite often parents' minds as well. That like this is a this is a fantastic opportunity for your children. Like honestly, yeah, it's so funny that you touch on that because I actually quite faced quite a lot of adversity with my parents when I told them I wanted to pursue an apprenticeship. So I would have been the first in my immediate family to go to university. And, um, you know, I had my heart set on law and they were really, you know, really keen, really supportive. And the second I turned around and said I wanted to pursue an apprenticeship, I think solely due to the lack of information out there on legal apprenticeships, they were really quite worried and, and apprehensive. And it took a lot of convincing for, to get them around to the idea. I, I could see the benefits of the apprenticeship and I was really keen. I remember literally printing off, you know, information sheets and talking to them about what it entailed. Because I think turning around and telling them I wanted to pursue an apprenticeship, they held those kind of old school views of what an apprenticeship was and they you know they had a kind of a lot of negative views about it but you know looking back at it now they are absolutely so glad that I did push and I did it because they've absolutely seen the benefits you know being my parents and so I moved out a couple years ago but when I go home to visit them and I tell them you know all the things I'm doing they're just absolutely astounded that those opportunities are available at such an early age. That's so wonderful to hear. That's so lovely. Have you had any standout opportunities either of you? Have you done anything you're like wow this has just been amazing? Yeah, definitely. So we do try and have team days fairly regular. So last Friday, we did a site visit. So it's really, really exciting and interesting to actually see everything that you read on paper, but in real life. So to see the actual process and and that sort of thing. So that was really great. And then going for lunch afterwards. And I do have a really, really great team that I get on with. And I think that that really is invaluable because if you're stuck for six years with a team that you don't get on with, I think that that would be really really challenging whereas my team is so supportive and um, I've also just been shortlisted for the BAME Apprenticeship Awards this year for legal and management. Amazing, well done, congratulations. (laughs) Yeah so that's really exciting as well because I was nominated by a lady in HR Um, so to even be shortlisted is really really great and again the team have been really supportive about it and congratulated me and stuff so yeah it's just been a really really great experience so far and I just look forward to the next four years or so to see where it will go. Oh, you're smashing it. Oh, thank you. I feel so, it's, honestly, it brings me so much joy listening to like people's experiences because yeah, like, great. I honestly don't know where I would be without my apprenticeship. Yeah, me too. There's, I've had so many kind of standout experiences or opportunities. You know, for example, this secondment is just something that you wouldn't have even thought would be available at such an early age. I'm literally directly contributing to a firm client relationship and the knowledge that I'll come back with is so kind of invaluable for the firm and for myself. I think for me, probably my my most standout experience was actually, I think I was 19 or 20 at the time. And I was asked by the head of the department. So one of the biggest partners in our team to act as a supervising solicitor with him on a search and seize order. So basically, yeah, it was absolutely incredible. So we were appointed by the court to kind of supervise this search order, essentially where someone had kind of been 
suspected of fraudulent activity and they had to go into his house and search his house for for documents and um you know after a, a court award very cool a court order yeah that it was just something that was it felt kind of like out of a film and I felt way <laughs> too young to be there but it was one of those one of those incredible opportunities that that has been offered to me and you know solely through an apprenticeship if I didn't pursue an apprenticeship and went through the training contract you know application or the training contract traditional route it you know it wouldn't have ended up like this at all so Maya Tegan what would you say to your 18 year old self if you were to look back um so I would probably say first of all do something that you enjoy because six years is a long time to do an apprenticeship and if it's something that you're not interested in that you're not bothered about or that you don't care about it's going to be a very long six years don't worry about getting things wrong so you're bound to you're at the very very start of your career there are lots of things that you're going to mess up or mistakes that you're going to make and as long as those mistakes are made completely honestly and it's you know just a mistake and that's all and you learn from it no one is going to mind and no one is going to you know shout at you or 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 sack you or whatever um you don't need to worry about that and you will make mistakes so it's better to just accept it and embrace them and learn from them than just fear every single time you do something that you're going to get it wrong and I think the third thing is just enjoy it so for me and one of the main highlights of my apprenticeship has kind of been all the doors that it's opened for me in my personal life because you're like you know you're a uni student but with money essentially (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's what like I've enjoyed about it so much is that you know my salary is decent and a lot better than most of my friends that are in full-time jobs so I kind of find that it's meant that I've been able to go on holidays I've been able to buy a new car I've just mortgaged my first place I can go out when I want to I can oh, wow yeah so it, it really really opened so many doors yeah, for me. you are babes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh thank you um but yeah and uh, without that apprenticeship you know I wouldn't have been able to do any of those things so I think that people forget how how much it does benefit you not just from a work experience but it just completely improves your quality of life absolutely I think in terms of something I could could go back and tell my younger self I find it quite difficult to answer that question because I I knew that I wanted an apprenticeship so badly but also I don't think anything can prepare you for the development that will occur on the apprenticeship scheme I would say to myself um just enjoy it and prepare to you know learn an absolutely vast amount because I don't think I quite appreciated how much I changed as a person for the better um both professionally and personally so I suppose going back I would say you know be prepared to absolutely change for the better um and ex- you know enjoy your experience um which I absolutely am doing I think in terms of advice for other people, if you're kind of looking to get into an apprenticeship, but you're currently studying A-levels or in college or in school, do you think about getting some work experience? Sometimes it's the case where you just, you know, put all the feeders out there, send your CV out, drop emails. A lot of firms do have um, quite structured experience programs. So have a look into that. And even if you don't have legal experience, transferable skills are very important. And, and as we've kind of touched upon, if you're already balancing study, of A-levels alongside a part-time job. There you go. There's one skill that you've already kind of mastered that you can talk about in your interview. The second thing I'd say is kind of off the back of what Tegan said is just make sure you have a passion for it and make sure that if you do have a passion for law or, or apprenticeships, that it comes across in the interview. Because I think when you're applying for apprenticeships and when firms hire apprentices, they absolutely understand that you won't have any legal experience. They're kind of not expecting you to come in and know everything. They're investing in you. So they want to ensure that 
you're going to be a worthwhile investment and that you're going to put in the work that it takes because it is a long journey. It's a really hard journey to qualification. So make sure that you enjoy it and that you kind of get across that you are a hard worker and that you will put in that work. And then lastly, I would just say be excited because as I've touched upon, you know, it's been such a learning curve for me, the biggest learning curve I imagine I'll ever experience in my life. It's changed my life. It's changed me as a person and the things that I've experienced and the people that I've met and the opportunities that have been open to me are just absolutely incredible. And I just wouldn't change it for the world. So I suppose if you're just about to embark on your apprenticeship journey, then be excited for the future. That was fellow apprentices, Maya Croxford and Tegan Williams. Watch that space. Wasn't it fun, Ella, having a chat with them? You know what, Georgie? I really enjoy chatting to the girls. Totally. Yeah, I really enjoy kind of listening to their day-to-day work because it's like kind of really different from what we do. And it kind of... it actually shows how broad law is. Like, there's so many different areas you can work in. Like, Tegan's job of working in, like, a more of a tall area of law to do, like, pollution and safe food consumption was, like, really interesting. And I could actually see myself doing a job like that. Like, an environmental lawyer, definitely. Yeah, 100%. And also, like, really detailed focus. Like, you could tell that she was just, you know, she was so knowledgeable about, the, like, the things that she was working on. Yeah, and then, like, Mayor in a law firm and having all these opportunities to go into court and then she got involved in that fraud yes. case. I was like, wow, you, you're doing the job that you see people only do in a, like, drama series. It's, it's yeah, really I know. Cool. I know, totally. Really, really cool. And I think if you enjoy litigation and you enjoy kind of the more contentious side of law, which I've done a very little bit of and I absolutely loved the bit that I did, her job sounds amazing. Like, so fun, so interesting. And what also kind of stuck true was the level of work these girls put into securing themselves in the apprenticeships like they're clearly really hard working and they deserve every success working and studying at the same time is it's not easy we know that and apprenticeships aren't without the challenges and to kind of hear they overcame the challenge that any challenge that came their way and the advice that they gave to their 18 year old self is kind of what I could have would have said to myself at 18 as well like don't worry you got this it's all gonna work out just keep going If this episode got you interested in apprenticeships, then stick with us, as in our next episode, Ellen and I are talking to Kerry Evans, who is the National Programme Director for Apprenticeships at the University of Law, and she's going to explain all the details of exactly how legal apprenticeships work. That's going to include apprenticeships which start at 18, like the ones we've been discussing today, and the new postgrad apprenticeships which start after you've done a degree. In the meantime, don't miss out on any of our episodes, which are on Apple, Spotify and Acast. And make sure you like, leave a review and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram. Just search Not All Lawyers Pod and use the hashtag Not All Lawyers. This has been Not All Lawyers Have Law Degrees from the BBC's legal team. 